0: Hello and welcome to the Rolling Hills Community Church Sermon Podcast. I'm the Digital Engagement Director, Chloe Rojas. We're so excited you're joining us for week 13 of Masterclass, The Gospel of Mark, as we learn about the coming of the kingdom of God. Jesus came to us with the future in mind. He always knew the purpose of his earthly ministry, and he knew the ultimate victory would be won on the cross. But what will happen afterward? Will Jesus come back and when? What will happen in those days? Scripture holds the answers and now let's search for them together.
1: Good morning everybody. If you don't know me, my name is Brandon Billups. I'm the college and young adults pastor um, at Rolling Hills and it is awesome to be here with you guys again. Today we're continuing our summer series of masterclass walking through the gospel of Mark and I don't know about you but I have absolutely loved this series. I have loved walking through the steps of Jesus following and kind of looking from that 30,000 foot view of like oh Jesus did this and then he went and did this and like kind of looking at in order of like hey and then this and this and it was all intentional in the way that he did things, right? And today is no different. Today we're going to be in Mark 13 and today if you've read mark 13 it is all about the end times so buckle up this is not random. We have we've, we've seen Jesus like walk through like in order, like the way like, hey, here's when I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have authority over sin. I'm going to have authority over healing. I'm going to have authority over the storms. Hey, I'm going to confront the Pharisees here. Like everything has gone in order right now. We see that he here, he's starting to talk about the end times. And here soon after this, we're going to see a big transition happen. We're going to go to the cross. Um, That's going to be the coming weeks of this series. And so before that happens, he is telling his disciples what to watch for, what to look out for. When I was a kid, there were some authorities in my life that I felt had ultimate authority over my life. My parents, teachers, police officers, firefighters, and lifeguards. (laughs) I didn't know at the time these were 15 year old kids <laughs> watching over my life. I assumed it was a bunch of hasslehoffs up there ready to jump at any moment and save the day. Uh, but they had ultimate authority, right? And, and I've never been a lifeguard. If you've been a lifeguard, maybe you can tell me if this is true or not. But I would imagine that if you're a lifeguard, when you get up to lifeguard for the first time and you get on that stand, oh, I bet you were just like eagle eyes, just like just watching everybody, okay, he's how long has he been underwater? Three, two, okay, okay, no, he's good, he's up, he's up. Like I, You can just imagine like the intensity of like, I'm going to save a life. And then I would imagine if nothing is ever needed, like there's a rescue isn't needed, after a long period of time, you probably start to relax a little bit. Um, you probably start to like sit back, you know, you've been up on the stand for four hours, I don't know how long they're up for, but let's say it's, like, it's a long time, you start to relax a little bit, you're not as intense as you were in the very... Beginning. Well, this chapter that we're going to be reading through, um, Jesus is going to be making a point. He's going to be talking all about the end times, but his main point is going to be this keep watch. Keep watch. Don't let anyone deceive you. He's going to say it over and over throughout this chapter be on guard, be alert, stay awake. Because it, it could be a long time, and the longer it goes, maybe we start to relax and get comfortable. Be on guard. We're gonna jump into the text. Let me pray before we do. God, thank you so much for who you are, that you are a good God, that you love us, God. Thank you for your word, God, that we can go to it, that we have this absolute truth that can be the foundation of our life that isn't changing like the rest of culture and the rest of our world, that we can trust in it, that we can trust in you. God, I pray today that you would speak through us You would speak through your word. God, I pray that um, I would get out of the way and you would just speak, God, through your word to everyone in this room, God. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, we're going to start in chapter 13, verse 1. Before we jump right into that, let me say this is a hard text. This is a difficult text. We are all going to leave here with questions. We are not going to leave here knowing, hey, this is how the end times are all going to work. And that's not going to be Jesus' main point either. So let's jump in. Verse 1. As Jesus was leaving the temple, one of his disciples said to him, Look, teacher, what massive stones, what magnificent buildings. Jesus says, Do you see all these great buildings, replied Jesus? Not one stone here will be left on another. Every one will be thrown down. So let's stop right there. They're walking, they're looking at the temple. And, and every stone on the temple was about um, half of a semi-truck. That's how big this was. So you can imagine like this would have been an incredible architectural feat that they are looking at and they're going, wow, this is amazing. I'm being honest, Jesus is a little bit of a downer here. He's like, oh yeah, it's awesome. It's all coming down, <laughs> right? Like, this is how it's going to start, but he's right. In fact, 30, 40 years later in 70 AD, it is destroyed by the Roman Empire. Now this is a huge deal for a lot of reasons. The temple was everything for Israel, for the Jewish culture, for their religion, it was everything everything like this is where their sins were forgiven where sacrifices were made it's the the holy of holies was there in the innermost room it had the ark of the covenant they had a high priest and he was the only one that could go and and atone for the sins on behalf of everybody there was the huge veil that separated it this was a huge deal when this was destroyed so why did it get destroyed here's your first point the temple was no longer needed because we are the temple and Jesus knows as he's talking about this, we are, he's about to go to the cross. And he knows we don't need the temple anymore because I'm about to be the ultimate sacrifice. We don't need sacrifices anymore. I'm about to become the high priest. We don't need a high priest anymore. And he's gonna send the Holy Spirit because we are now the temples of God. Verse three, as Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, Peter, James, John, and Andrew asked him privately, tell us when these things will happen and what will be the sign that they are about to be fulfilled. This is called the Olivet Discourse because they are in the Mount of Olives. And so Peter, James, John, and Andrew, they are asking all the questions that we asked, right? They are asking the same questions. Okay, hey, Jesus, when are you coming back? And hey, how are we gonna know? What are all the signs? And I want you to look at Jesus' response because it's, he doesn't answer either of those questions right away. Here's what he says. Watch out that no one deceives you. Watch out that no one deceives you. Many will come in my name claiming I am he and will deceive many. When you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom there will be earthquakes in various places and famines these are the beginning of birth pain so jesus's first response when asked this question isn't answering the question it's it's very simple and we're going to see this throughout the entire text it's watch out Watch out that no one deceives you. And as we continue to go through this text, we're gonna read the whole chapter today. Um, We're gonna read a little bit, talk about it, read a little bit, talk about it. We're gonna see over and over, Jesus is going to continue on this theme of watch out, be on guard, stay alert, be awake. Watch out that no one deceives you. Here's your next point. The world is trying to deceive you. The world is trying to deceive you. I know for a lot of us, it sounds crazy that we would believe that someone um, is claiming to be Jesus, and people would believe that. Like, if someone walks in the back of the room right now, it's like, "I'm Jesus. I'm here. This is how I'm returning." We would all be like, "Okay, security. Like, let's let's take care of this real quick, right? Because we know that's not how Jesus is going to come back." But listen, there. This is happening. There's a guy in Australia who is claiming to be Jesus and has followers. There is a Siberian uh, false Jesus who has written his own last testament. And it's like, who would follow these guys? This guy has 10,000 followers. 10,000 people are being deceived. Now for, for, for us who have maybe known Jesus for a while or we've read the Bible, we're probably not gonna be deceived that way. We're gonna be deceived in other ways. We're going to be deceived in other ways. Like like we're uh, deciding a sin isn't a sin, or this sin isn't as big a deal as this sin, or hey, I'm only going to um, believe this part of the Bible and, and not the ones I don't like, or hey, it's 2022. The Bible's kind of outdated, right? We're going to be deceived in smaller ways. And here's the deal we're deceived easier than we realize. We're deceived easier than we realize. I decided a few years back, God just kinda put this on my heart that I'm never gonna say that could never be me. Uh, Like when you see someone do something awful, when you see someone do something terrible, when I look out and I see pastors fail, I don't wanna ever say that could never be me, because I'm weak. And and under the right stressors, under the right temptations, in the right situation, it could absolutely be me. So I wanna make sure I have the mindset, it could always be me, so I better have things in place to make sure it's not, right? And this is the same with being deceived. I don't wanna sit here and be like, oh, well, this won't be me. I'll never be the one who is deceived. No, I wanna look at this and be like, well, this could be me. I could be the one who is deceived, so I'm gonna put some things in place to make sure that I am not deceived. It happens easier than we think. I did some research this week and I found some things that we all believe are true, but actually aren't true. So I'm about to blow your minds. Check out this list of stuff. Number one, uh, you guys probably already know this one, but it is okay to eat and then swim right after you eat. But for years, people believed you could not do that. Um, second one, salt does not help water boil quicker. That one surprised me. If you drop a penny off the Empire State Building, it will not kill anyone. It might sting a little bit, but it's not gonna kill anybody. Um, the Great Wall of China is not visible from space. Water and toilets do not rotate the other direction in the Southern Hemisphere. I really wanted that to be true. (laughs) You don't only use 10% of your brains, you use a lot more of it. This is probably the one that blew my mind the most. Goldfish have a memory span of three months. What? (laughs) We've been told five seconds forever. This is crazy, they remember everything. You don't swallow eight spiders a year in your sleep. That's great news for everybody. I say it's probably much closer to zero. Um, Gum does not take seven years to digest. It's indigestible, it just goes right through you. So, these are all things that we have believed but are actually not true. Now, when I say I did research this week, I wanna clarify, I found this on a website it was Reader's Digest, so it felt trustworthy. I didn't fact check any of it. <laughs> so believe what you want on this list. But if I had not told you that, many of you would walk out and this week be like, hey, guess what? fish don't have a memory of five seconds. It's three months. Why? Because we easily believe stuff, easier than we think we do. Here's your next point. We are deceived because we believe believable lies. We are deceived because we believe believable lies. There's a lot of lies out there that sound true, that sound right, that make our hearts feel good, right? Like we live in a culture that always talks about my truth, right? This is my truth, that's your truth, and you can have your truth. Well, that's that's not a real thing. You can, people can believe different things, but not everything can be true. Two contradictory things cannot be true. There has to be an absolute truth. Like, The earth is only created one way. Now, we can argue about how that was created. Some might say it was created by God and and go by the Bible. Others might say it was Big Bang and evolution happened. Some may say it was 60 million years ago. Others may be like, no, it was only like 4,000. You can argue about, listen, it only happened one way. There's only one absolute truth. So here's the question, how do we guard ourselves from being deceived? We guard ourselves from deception by knowing truth. We guard ourselves from deception by knowing truth, and God's word is absolute truth. Uh, that's what we believe. God's word is absolute truth. This is the one thing that we can have as a foundation, right? That, that we can, uh, it's not changing. It, it hasn't changed. It's not going to change. It can be the foundation that the, the God of the universe wired the world to, cert, to work a certain way. He wired us to work a certain way inside of that world. And then he gave us his word and said, like this, it can be that absolute truth, that foundation for us. Okay, so this is the main point of what Jesus is going to be talking about today. It's not going to be the signs, but he did give us some, so let's talk about it. Um, Here's some of the things he mentioned, many will come claiming to be the Messiah, wars and rumors of wars, nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, earthquakes, famine, these are the beginning of birth pains. And I know what you're thinking, you're looking at that list being like, check, 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 check. We don't know how long the birth pains are going to last, but these are some of the things. Verse 9, let's keep going. Here we go again. You must be on your guard you will be handed over to the local councils and flogged in the synagogues. This is gonna be a really chipper sermon today, by the way. On account of me, you will stand before governors and kings as witnesses to them. So here's what we know, Christians will be persecuted in the end times, but I think it's also fair to point out that Christians have been persecuted since Jesus died on the cross, and they are being persecuted today in other countries. Uh, Maybe some of you are seeing that now in your own lives where you feel like you're being hated because of Jesus. Let's keep going. We're going to talk more about that later. Verse 10, and the gospel must first be preached to all nations. That's on us. 11, whenever you are arrested and brought to trial, do not worry beforehand about what to say. Just say whatever is given to you at the time. For it is not you speaking, but the Holy Spirit. Brother will betray brother to death and father his child. Children will rebel against their parents and have them put together. Everyone will hate you because of me, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. Everyone will hate you because of me, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. Here's what we have to be prepared to be hated because of Jesus. But I wanna point out there that it it should be because of Jesus, not because we're a jerk on social media. (laughs) Not because we lack compassion and love for people. Not because we are arrogant because we know something they don't know. If we're gonna be hated, let's be hated for Jesus. Verse 14, when you see the abomination that causes desolation standing where it does not belong, let the reader understand then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Okay, so what Jesus, when he talks about the abomination that causes desolation, here's what he's talking about. This is a reference to Daniel 11. In Daniel 11:31, 31, it says this. This is a prophecy that Daniel had. And forces shall be mustered by him, and they shall defile the sanctuary fortress, and they shall take away the daily sacrifices and place there the abomination of desolation. Okay, so I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on this because this is not the main point of what we're talking about today. But let's, it talks about it, so let's hit what exactly this is. And we don't exactly know. There's some different views on what this is. Here's what we know. A future ruler will make a treaty with the future people of Israel. The terms of this treaty will be for a week, which a lot of people take to be seven years Midway through this time, the ruler will gather his troops and put an end to the sacrifices and offerings in the temple. At that time, the ruler will desecrate the temple, setting up some type of sacrilegious object. The desecration of the temple will continue until the judgment of God is finally meted out on the ruler and his followers 1,290 days Later, So there's some different views on this. The two main views are the preterist view and the futurist view. The preterist view is that this happened after Jesus prophesied about it, but it's already happened before us. Uh, there's, some, there's definitely some holes in this view, but there's also some things that, um, anyway, it'd be fun to research. The futurist view is that none of this stuff has happened yet. This is the more common view. And so what people would say there is that Jesus is talking about the Antichrist, who in the end time is going to establish a covenant with Israel for seven years. He's going to break it. There's going to be some kind of sacrilege. It might be the uh, image of the beast um, by the false prophets, which is set up, which we see in Revelation 13. 14. Now having said all of that, it is interesting, and that would be some fun research stuff for everybody to do this week to to learn more about this, but this is not the main point of what Jesus is going to say in this scripture. Let's keep going. Verse 15. Let no one on the housetop go down or enter the house to take anything out. Let no one in the field go back to get their cloak. How dreadful it will be in those days for pregnant women and nursing mothers. Pray that this will not take place in winter because those days will be days of distress, unequaled from the beginning when God created the world until now and never to be equaled again. If the Lord had not cut those, uh, short those days, no one would survive but for the sake of the elect whom he has chosen he has shortened them. At that time if anyone says to you look here is the Messiah or look there he is do not believe it for false messiahs and false prophets will appear and perform signs and wonders to deceive if possible even the elect. So be on your guard. I have told you everything ahead of time but in those days following that distress the sun will be darkened The moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from the sky and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time, people will see the son of man coming in clouds with great power and glory. He will send his angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of the heavens. Here's your next point. When Jesus comes back, you will know it. When Jesus comes back, you will know it. Everyone will know it. It's not going to be in secret. It says he is coming in power. He is coming in glory. So when people say, hey, I'm, I'm the Messiah. I actually decided to come in secret, and only the people here are on the end. We can be like, I don't think so, Siberian Jesus. I'm watching out. You're not deceiving me. <laughs> this is why we gotta know God's word, right? This is why we need to know God's word. Verse 28, now learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves come out, you know that summer is near. Even so, when you see these things happening, you know that it is near right at the door. Truly I tell you, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Okay, so there's, again, there's an issue in here that we need to take note of, right? Like it it says right here, Truly I tell you, this generation will not pass away until all these things that happen. Well, here's what we know, that generation that he was talking to passed away. So do we understand incorrectly what he was trying to say here? And there's some different views on this, but most scholars would hold to when he's saying this generation, he is talking about the generation that is going through this. Saying the generation that's going through the end times, like it's, it's not gonna be longer than that generation. They will not pass away before all of this is over. But here's the deal. That's not the most important part of that section. Look at the last part. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. My words will never pass away. That's your next point. God's word will never pass away. I I don't know who said this. I have heard somebody say this. I would quote them if I I remembered who it was. But I've heard someone say that at the end of everything, there's only going to be three things left. God, God's word, and the souls of people. God, God's word, and the souls of people. So I think it would if we're going to look at our lives and say, "Hey, we want to invest in something that matters." If we want to invest in something that is eternal, man, it's those three things. It's God, God's word, and the souls of people. Look at verse 32. But about that day or hour, no one knows. Not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Be on guard. Be alert. You do not know when that time will come. Here's your next point. We don't know when Jesus is coming back, but we do know he's coming back. We don't know when he is coming back, but we do know he's coming back. This is why it's so important to know God's word. I mean, listen, for for years, for decades, people have been predicting When Jesus is coming back, they've been like, ooh, I've cracked the Bible code and I figured out the secret date that was encoded inside of it. Well, that date came and gone. (laughs) Or someone said, hey, I I got a prophecy from God and this is what he told me. All those dates have come and gone. But listen, when we hear those kind of things, we can be like, listen, not even the angels in heaven know when Jesus is coming back. You don't know either. sleeping. What I say to you, I say to everyone, watch. This is how it ends. This is the last verse. So it started with, watch out that no one deceive you, and it ends with, what I say to you, I say to everyone, watch. There's a lot of views of the end times, there, there, and it's fine to have a view. It's fine to look through these, t- researching, go, man, I think I line up here. But, but it's, it's not the most important thing for us to understand or know, right? Uh, we can look through all the signs and different things, and there's a lot, right, temple destroyed, false prophets, wars of, uh, rumors of wars, earthquakes, persecution. Some of these things have been happening for a long time. How long will the birth pains be? We don't know all the answers. In fact, as we've been going through this, this um, Mark series, one of the things that's really struck me is how when Jesus came the first time, no one understood how it was gonna go down. <laughs> Like they, they had all the prophecies from the Old Testament and they still thought Jesus was gonna come as this Messiah that was gonna be a ruler, a political, um, military ruler of Israel, right? Even the disciples who were closest to Jesus, like he predicts his death and they're like, well that doesn't make sense. He predicts it a second time and they're like arguing, like I don't understand what he said. Who, when Jesus is king, who's gonna be second in command? Who's gonna be greatest? <laughs> like that's what the disciples are doing. They didn't even get it. I think there has to be some humility in going, listen, we don't know exactly how this is all going to go down. <laughs> we don't. But when we look at this, what does God, what does Jesus really want us to get? Well, yeah, he's coming back. We know that. He, he really wants us to get that. We need to keep watch. And we better be on watch. Our, our discipleship pastor, Jacob Scripture said it this way this week. He said, don't be watchful for the end, Be watchful till the end. Don't be watchful for the end. Be watchful till the end. That's the point of this chapter. It's not so that we can be watchful and going, oh, earthquake, it's coming. Let's build the bunker in the basement. No. All of this is so that we can be watchful until the end watchful over your heart watchful over your mind over your kids hearts over your kids minds over your family over the people around you that we would be on guard like what is the culture of your house have we become lifeguards who have been sitting on the stand too long and we just stopped watching listen we would never let someone run into our house cussing and naked but if it's on your tv you did what's the culture of your home Uh, Listen, phones, like what what can our kids access? Tablets, all these different things is the easiest way for the world to infiltrate our homes. Now, I'm not saying don't have those things. Those things are great, but I am saying be on guard. Be on guard, be watchful. Uh, Have you set the tone in your house that, hey, we go to church on Sunday, it's a thing we do, but then we don't talk about Jesus the rest of the week? We don't live it out the rest of the week. Hey, we go to church on Sundays except for during sports season because listen, son, you're a reflection of me and you're pretty good at this sport and so, hey, things are on Sunday. What do we do? And parents wonder why their kids have have left the face when they go off to college. The culture wasn't set. We need to be on guard. We need to be alert. We we need to be lifeguards who are vigilant and watching To be on guard, to keep watch. So how do we stay on guard? That's the question, how do we stay on guard? I've got a couple things here. Number one, know the truth of God's word. Know the truth of God's word. Have his word hidden in your heart. If you're not reading God's word, um, we have an app, and on that app is a daily step where you can get on and you can read every single day what we're reading, what's coming up. Be in God's word, know what it says because it's, it's our foundation. It's the absolute truth that we have to make sure that we are not deceived. Number two, pray for protection from deception. Right, like I don't want this, I don't want to have the attitude of this will never be me. Oh, it could absolutely be me, so I better be praying because my strength is weak. God is strong, right? Pray for protection from deception. Look at Ephesians 4, 13 through 14, it says this until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ, then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. What this is saying is that if we are not mature believers, then every new idea that comes, every new philosophy that comes by, we're gonna be going back and forth like waves in the ocean saying, oh, this is true now, nope, no, now this is true, This is true now. We have truth. We already know what it is. It's not changing. And the last one, number three stand firm. Stand firm in your faith. Stand firm in truth. Stand firm in love. Stand firm against sin. Stand firm against the pressures of the world. Remember, it says we're going to be hated because of Jesus. If that's the case, it's okay. I was talking to uh, Jacob Thomas, our Nolensville student director, this week, and he said this. He said, when you're reading this, it seems like we're losing, but God's winning. It seems like we're losing, but God's winning. In fact, I would say God has already won. <laughs> he has already won. He won when he went to the cross, when he died for our sins, when he became that sacrifice for us. I want you to look at Hebrews 13, 5 through 6. It says this keep your lives free from the love of money, be content with what you have, because God said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper, I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? We don't have to be afraid of things that are going to come. We are people of hope. We are people who are already on the winning side. Like he became our sacrifice. He won when he did that. He won when the veil was cut in two. He won when we can have a personal relationship with God. What can mere mortals do to you? Why? Because God loves you. Like God loves me. God loves us as messed up as we are. As much as we continue to betray God even after we followed him. (laughs) He still loves us. In fact, he loves you how you are now. Like, as you are now, he loves you. Like, God knew, like, Jesus knew when he was on the cross, your worst sin. He knew the worst sin you ever, he knew every dirty and disgusting thought you would ever have while he was on the cross, and he still said, you're worth it. That's the gospel. That is our God. And listen, I don't know where you are. I don't know what you've done. Some of you may be sitting out there going, like, Brandon, you don't know you don't know what I've done, you don't know how I've messed up, you don't know how, you don't know. And I don't, I don't know, but I don't have to know because I know you can't out the blood of Jesus. You cannot do it, you can't out the blood of Christ. Here's how I wanna end today. If you're in this room and you've never surrendered your life to Christ, you never made that decision and said, listen, God, I, I'm, try, I'm tired of doing this all on my own. I'm exhausted of operating in my own strength. I want to follow you. Maybe today is the day you do that. Maybe God is calling you to do that today. And here's how I would encourage you. I'm going to pray here in a minute. Surrender to God. Surrender to God's word, to following him. And if you do that, man, come talk to me. Come talk to a staff member here. Come talk to a leader here because we want to pray with you. We want to encourage you in that. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word, how it molds us, how it grows us, God. God, thank you for your sacrifice. God, that none of us deserve your love, none of us deserve your grace, but you gave it to us anyway. God, we are so grateful. God, I pray in this room, that we would not be scared of end times, we would not be worried about these things, but that we would be vigilant, but that we would keep watch, we would be on guard, God, so that we would not be deceived, so that we could stand firm until the end. God, we love you, and we ask for your strength in all of this. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.
0: That's the end of this episode on the Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast, part of the Rolling Hills Podcast Network. Before you go, we invite you to think about who you could share this sermon with. Click the subscribe button so you can be notified each time we release a new sermon. Did you know Rolling Hills publishes other podcasts too? Check out the Making History Parenting podcast, Men's Leadership Network, and the RH Women's As You Go podcast. If you're interested in learning more about Rolling Hills, download our app, follow us on social media, or visit our website at rollinghills.church. We're glad you spent some time with us today. Have a great week.